welcome to Emma Fingal. I'm your host, Mirna. We are currently students at an MFA program, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about the logistics of being in an MFA program. Most of us are women of color, so we'll be able to speak to those experiences, and because we're still in our program, we'll be able to give you some fresh takes. It's actually all women of color today. Here. It is yes. all women of color today, and I love it. Yeah. I'm here for it. So today, again, we're talking about horror stories. And it's important, I want to just phrase this well, these are some of the worst of the worst that we have experienced. Mm. And again, these are our experiences. We can't really say we speak for anybody else because we don't. Yeah, This is just what has happened to us, what we've had to go through, and hopefully not something y'all will have to go through because I don't wish this on anybody. Yeah, But I know for a fact that if I had heard some of these stories from peers, from women of color, from people of color, from queer identities, I would have felt a little more prepared, mm-hmm. right? I would have, it wouldn't have caught me as off guard when these things happened to me yeah. as they actually did. And it's always great to know that you're not the only person going yes. through this. And like, you're not crazy for yes. thinking like this white person was very... Was low-key racist when they said this? Yes. It's really great to know. Microaggressions are real, kids. Yeah, microaggressions are real. Yeah, it's great to know that you are not exaggerating. It's not a you thing. It's a them thing. So what's the worst thing a peer has said to you during workshop? So I have turned in a short story about gay women and their relationship, sort of, like, like their romance or something. And it was, like, very sexual. Mm-hmm. And this white, cis, hetero girl said, <laughs> I just don't think the romance is believable and the characters are just not likable at all. And I just didn't care about anything in this story. Oh. Right? Now, mind you, like, she was the only one who felt like this. Mm-hmm. She was the only person who expressed this. I remember writing down in my notes, because you're supposed to be writing down what people tell you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, straight people just don't get it or something less nice. But yeah, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So that's my horror story. <laughs> I love the when it's a it's a romance story. The the romance wasn't believable. Right? I'm sorry, white cis girl, I wasn't appealing to your romance. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Honora? Um, I don't know if this is the best thing or the worst thing, but uh, <laughs> a white guy in my undergraduate workshop told me that my poems made him feel uncomfortable, oh. but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think he was talking about um, the way my um, poetry like tackles issues about people and the biases. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm still, like, meditating on that comment because I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. yeah, like, there's a lot to unpack yes. in that <laughs> single phrase, right? Yes. Uh, for me, it was, I don't get it. And I feel like you guys might hear this, too, yeah. but, right, hear it so much from my white peers. And it's usually followed by, I don't like it. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't get it, I don't like it. Mm. And there's so many times that abstract work has been defended with you don't need to get it to appreciate the craft. Mind you, this is like white avant-garde bullshit, right? When avant-garde was super white, (laughs) we don't need to get into that. But that is defended with that that line, right? But then as soon as something unfamiliar is presented to our peers, they... uh, 
that goes out the window. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore because they don't get it. Right. Um, like I wrote this poem, I feel like I've talked about this before. I wrote this poem about the kidnapped students, uh, student protesters from Iwala and my peers, my peers immediately shut it down. They oh, were like, no. I don't get it. I don't mm. understand what's happening. Make this more Mexican so I can understand right. it better. So that I don't get it. I don't like it combination. I'm not here for it. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. It's always white people. <laughs> it is. <laughs> So mm-hmm. let's go for professors first, right? Yes. So in, in workshop, I, I don't, maybe you've been in a workshop before or not. So usually, or the way it goes, the model is that the writer doesn't get to talk. Yes. Other people talk and you're supposed to stay silent. Which is bullshit. It's bullshit and it has some, of benef- some benefits, especially with young writers. I feel like they might feel like they have to defend their work or mm-hmm. respond to everything that's being said. Mm-hmm. And the professor is more there to mediate than to lead. The idea is that we're all having a conversation and the professor is there to make sure we're having it, I guess, and Mm -hmm. that nothing goes wrong. Yes. So there are times when professors just stop mediating. Mm -hmm. That was one of mine, right? They literally just sit there as one peer opens the door for the rest to bash on your piece. Yes. Like, hopefully you won't have to deal with this, but I can definitely say it's happened to me repeatedly. It's like one student creeps into the space of saying a pretty white comment about the work. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> right. And then the rest of it, take it, take it as an okay and continue down that path. That's how we got to the make it more Mexican bit. And the professor didn't say anything in this situation. Some professor, some professors will say, oh, I want the class to rule itself. I want, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold back my power. I don't want to interfere. You I learn better this way. Exactly. They don't think about the vulnerable bodies in the room mm. or the power dynamics. I had trust fund babies <laughs> in this particular workshop. So it just like fucking went completely off the rails. I was having to explain absolutely everything to them. And I'm like, okay, all right, you don't know the situation. That's fine. We can talk a little bit about it. But we're not talking about the actual poem anymore. Right. And also, like, part of your work as a peer who's providing feedback is to Google. And sometimes it's so easy. Like, if you don't know something, you don't have to become an expert Mm -hmm. on whatever the poem is about. But Mm -hmm. you can get some background just by Googling. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to do it. It's part of the work you're required to do. Because obviously people are writing about their own experiences, which you might not be familiar with. Yeah. So Google. It's your friend. I love Google. And we're going to come back to Google because I got a lot to say about Googling for workshop. Yeah. One feedback um, I got from one of um, my peers in workshop, it was on one, she's a black girl too. And she told me this thing and I keep it with me to these days that don't do emotional labor for white people. Yes. Like your art is not a way for you to explain yourself. It's not a way for you to, you know, explain to them what your experience is. If they don't understand they do the work to understand. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that work for them. Yeah, don't do yeah. that work for them. I think that's true for like minorities shouldn't be doing the the work. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't put it on them. Yeah, it's not your job. It's not your job. It's not your job. Yeah. Um, talking about mediating, <laughs> what about professors that over mediate in workshops and they'll say things like, "I think what so and so was trying to say was to try to soften the blow after something." completely racist has been said Mm -hmm. and i'm like if someone fixes your mouth to say something 
and they have to own it like you know no however insensitive it is i understand that the professor sometimes is trying to do their job and guide the workshop and protect the energy in the space but energy. sometimes people need to be held accountable for what they say definitely like, I agree yeah if someone says something that is off the rail like i think the professor should let the student who the thing was said to respond to it without trying to just like you know well let's just forget about this let us keep moving because mm-hmm. like you don't move on yeah like yeah, the student who don't. received it you don't you yeah. carry it with you and that's a moment where like for example you're saying you're saying that the professors are like try to soften it right yeah. but that's a moment for the professor to be like all right kid you said this one awful thing what exactly do you mean by it like yeah. what are you trying to get at Instead right. of saying like, "Oh, this is," I think this is what they were trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, professors no, no. say that a lot. Like, Mm-mm. "Oh, they were, I think what you're trying to say is no." Like, mm-hmm. they know what they're saying, mm-hmm. and let's let's just take a moment to acknowledge what was said. Yes, that yeah. can do a lot for you know for a writer. Yeah, because I know, like, in my experiences, when I've been attacked in this way, or a professor has tried to soften it this way, I walk out not only like doubly hurt, but it stays with me. Like yeah. this is this is actually traumatizing to the marginalized bodies in workshop. And you feel even more crazy because it's like, wait, um, my professor didn't catch that, so I must be crazy. Yeah, oh, like I'm yeah. imagining it, yes. right? Or I'm reading too much into right, it. Right, because you yeah. trust the person who's in charge in the room to mm-hmm. make sure that you're not attacked, to make sure that you're safe. So if this person is not addressing it or addressing it in a way that is somehow you know, diminishing the experience for you. Yeah. It makes you feel like, oh, then, then I must have been the person who misread this thing or misread mm-hmm. what the, the comment meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also get when... Hashtag gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So let's say this moment has happened and this moment has happened to me, right? Either the professor just brushed it off or mm-hmm. didn't say anything. I left. I left the class super upset I'm crying, I'm feeling a lot of things, I'm worried I'm making shit up in my head, and then I try to put it away for just my own sanity, right? Right. And then, like, a couple days later, or, like, a week later, the professor reaches out, mm. and they're like, oh, hey, I wanted to talk about what happened in class the other day. <sighs> And it turns into not so much a moment of checking in with you to, like, be okay. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Because you always want to check on the person that has been attacked, right? And I can say this as an instructor because I'm also teaching here. You always want to follow up with the student that was hurt. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they are okay. But that didn't happen. It turns into, oh, well, you know, basically not everybody is like this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing your thing and... They're doing their thing, and yeah. I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. So it's that doubling down of over-mediating, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And also, in terms of workshop, what to look out for? Because we're talking about some like, pretty nasty stuff. But right. like, those, those, those key segments, right? So if English is not your first language... Um, and your creative work will incorporate bits of other languages. Mm-hmm. Be ready, be ready to like face some sort of resistance at some point from yes. your only English-speaking peers. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it always happens, but occasionally you'll have someone who can be bothered to Google Translate five words or Google. two words, or will be you know put off by finding one word that is not in English. Mm-hmm. 
And even though what you're saying might be perfectly clear through context, you might not require any sort of translation. And, you know, it's it, like you can tell what you're trying to say, even if it's in another language. People will want translations because people uh, sometimes are that, okay. that lazy. Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. Sometimes um, people just want the whole piece you know, to be in English. And what helps me when this happens is that to remember that a room of only English-speaking white people is just not my audience. No, it's not. Right. I'm bilingual, and I write for, I write for Spanish and English-speaking folks. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I've never turned in a piece that has so much Spanish that people who don't speak it wouldn't understand it. Of course, I understand that I'm studying in the United States where English is the primary language. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't come in with a, I don't know, a 13-page short story that's all in Spanish. That, yeah. that wouldn't make sense for me. Yeah. But... I will incorporate Spanish in my work and will continue to do it. And people can either do the work to Google Translate five words or, you know, fuck off. Yes. <laughs> no, I 100% feel that. And honestly, at this point, I'm like, I am tempted to write a piece in all Spanish and make them do the work, right? Right. Because not only am I doing my own work and I'm continuing to do what it is I already do, but then there's the whole, like, we're in 2019 y'all have literal computers in your mm. fucking pockets your phone is a tiny computer that you can ask anything right and some answer will appear like it's minimum effort right mm. but in terms of this translation mm -hmm. i feel that because when i was a wee baby poet <laughs> right when i was trying to figure out what the fuck I was doing, uh, I would provide translations. God, that that's like, thinking about it now when you say this, it's so hard in poetry mm -hmm. because you have such a short amount of space yeah. Yes. Yeah, to provide translations, so like to say what you're trying to say in your language and then provide translation. That sounds really it's, it's It's tedious. Yeah, I feel like prose allows for it a little more. Yeah, no, we, it's, it's different. And because again, shape, form, it, mm. it is, it is just different, right? Yeah. Um, but I would provide these translations nonetheless. And then I realized that that wasn't work that I had to do. Like yeah. you said, Honora, right? Like that wasn't work for me. Yes. It was work for them. So when you're putting in thing in, when you're putting things in that are in a different language, you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have intent, you have purpose. The addition, of, the addition of other language is a part of the experience that you want to create. Yes. Right. So let them fucking struggle, mm. right? I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. I like I do it purposefully, like because I want you. In some of my pieces, I'm like, I want you to feel how uncomfortable I was when I was learning English for the first time right. and didn't understand shit. Like I'm trying to recreate this experience for you. I'm not going to spell it out for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, white people can't be bothered looking for translations mm -hmm. unless it's one of them putting like a whole fucking page in Latin. About their vampire story. That's when oh they're going to Google it. They're going to Google it. They'll for sure know oh, what yeah, that they're is. They're like, oh my God, Latin, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. German. But um, yeah. And th that's obviously up to you to include translations or not. I, I used to do it like Marina when I was a baby writer. I would translate everything. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, fuck it. Like this five words, you can get them from context or you could Google them. It's mm -hmm. really easy. And that's not on me to do. That's on you. Mm -hmm. The reader should do some of the work, especially if it's a white reader reading women of color. 
Yes. And sometimes things get lost in translation. So they do. Sometimes they're just meant to stay in the language that they were reading it because there are some things that you try to express and it's like mm. it only makes sense in the language that you're expressing it in. Like yep. there's some words or that don't translate directly or mm-hmm. there's like words that carry certain feelings yes. that you know who is going to read it and resonate with them. And sometimes it's not for everyone. Like mm-hmm. everything you write is not for everyone it's if something has to be expressed in the language it's going to come out in that language and sometimes it has to just stay that way yes. and those who can't mm-hmm. understand they don't have to understand mm-hmm. yeah yeah it comes back to audience really yeah audience 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 yeah like if monolinguistic people are not your audience they're not your audience mm. you have to be mindful of that like when you bring in a piece to mm. workshop yes. you still have to have you know intent and purpose and again that is entirely up to you what that mm-hmm. intent and purpose is but it's something to keep in mind, right? Yeah, um, things to be aware of. Yes, yes. So along the same vein, a thing you have to be aware of is that you don't have to make any changes you don't want to. Completely true. Yes. So, of course, when you sign up for a workshop class, the expectation is that you'll get something amazing and beautiful. A mm-hmm. group of writers who care about your work, who have talent and have fresh eyes and can provide beautiful feedback on your work. I care about your work and you have talent. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so that that's the expectation, right? And I have to say, in this program, I've been very lucky. Mm. I've gotten... I, I get to workshop my pieces with a group of fantastic writers whose work I admire and I'm invested in. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. Yeah. I think especially when you're like an undergrad, you, mm. you tend to not get this, right? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes you'll get comments that are not helpful or that are coming from a personal place. And I think that as you have more experience with workshop, you'll be able to tell when a comment is about your work and when a comment is about you. Yes. Um, so, and sometimes people just come in to get their participation points in, especially yes. in undergrad. People <laughs> oh just, God, yes. they're like, oh, I really like your title. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like, just get you. that, like, <laughs> uh, participation points. Like, I said one thing, I was there in class. Mm. I like your title. <laughs> right. Or they're taking it because it's an art requirement and they don't really care about creative writing and they're done with writing the moment they step out of that classroom, which is fine. You know, we all got our things. Yeah. So... Ideally, you go in with a mindset of these comments are going to be helpful and they're going to make me improve my work in some form or way. But sometimes they're not. And it's okay. Like, remember, you're the boss of your work. You're the one who gets to decide this was helpful for me and I can incorporate it or this doesn't do it for me. And it's it was not what I'm going for. And you're completely wrong, white person. So I'm not going to incorporate it. Yeah, I I completely agree. And that's not to say that you don't need feedback, right? Mm -hmm. You're in an MFA program because you want it. And you want to further develop your writing. But at the end of the day, it's still your writing. It is yours, right? Don't let anyone suggest otherwise. Don't let people change your pieces or your poems to fit their aesthetic. Because that's what sometimes you, you get, right? Right. They're like, like, if this was my poem, I would blah, blah, blah. And it's like, like, cool, it's not your poem. It's not your fucking poem. (laughs) It's not. Yeah. yeah. Have y'all experienced like workshop scenarios where like people are not engaging with your work at all because it, it's like a difficult topic? Yes. yes. Yeah. I got out a lot in undergrad. It's like 
and I was a new baby writer and so I had a lot of like just like a lot of charisma about things so I wanted to write about all the hard things and all that really, enthusiasm yes, and energy yeah. yeah yes and then like I'll come to workshop and like my white peers are like okay this is making me uncomfortable so I'm not gonna say anything yeah oh I'm just not gonna give you anything constructive because mm-hmm. I don't I'm scared to engage in the work because I don't want to say the wrong thing which mm-hmm. is valid but it's like this is my reality these yeah. things that I'm writing are my reality so like and I need to continue growing so yeah. if, right. when you don't engage with my work because it's because you're worried about saying the wrong or the right thing mm-hmm. how does that benefit me can you imagine like how fucking nice that must be to be able to just like right? tap out like oh i don't want to have to deal with this yes and i'm like yeah there's so much privilege in that like if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing you're also by staying silent you're also doing the wrong thing complicit yeah. you're complicit yeah you are exercising your privilege to tap out to lug off this difficult situations that are the realities of people of color who are writing mm-hmm. yeah and workshop can be a place to learn how to give feedback so if you feel like you're not comfortable with what someone is writing that's a place where you learn how to give people feedback like the purpose is to like be open about this and be like, yes. this is not a comfortable topic to me. Yeah. How do I learn how to give feedback when I approach stuff like this yeah. instead of just staying quiet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, s- sorry, go <laughs> ahead. I think that sometimes uh, the writer will tell you what they're looking for in terms yes. of feedback. Some people are like, don't give me any prescriptive advice because this is my piece. So don't give them any prescriptive advice. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I'm really interested in like the line level of how this is working or like the overall level of how this is working or like I'm looking for the characters or the setting or whatever. So listen to the writer. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to ask the writer, what do they want? Yeah. What like, are they expecting? What are they specifically like, do you have questions that mm-hmm. you want me to address? Yeah. Right? Like no one wants you to talk about their, the title of their piece for 20 minutes. Like absolutely <laughs> no one no, is God. interested in that. <laughs> no. I, I think I, one thing I do want to say is like, there's nothing that sucks more than when you comment on a person's work and you're there for them and you show up and whatever. Oh, yeah. And then when it's your time to get ter- a workshop, this person is like yes. sitting back and like, this is exactly I where I was going. nothing to say or like just quiet because yeah. that hurts. And that, that is to an extent very personal because when you, when you sign up for a workshop in class, you're like sort of getting into this deal, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to give and you're going to receive. Mm-hmm. If you're only receiving and then sitting back, not reading your peers' work, not saying anything helpful don't be a workshop pillow princess yeah you're a workshop <laughs> pillow princess yeah this was coined today yes. uh, by Myrna palacios <laughs> <laughs> at virginia tech what day is today uh the 22nd of october it's the 22nd of october of the Why year of our lord this? 2019 <laughs> the year of our lord <laughs> okay girl 26 a.m oh shit yes. all right workshop pillow princess yes. you heard it here first <laughs> All right, it is time for our contemporary work suggestions, which, as you know, we have at the end of every episode. This is because we are writers and readers, and hopefully you are too, and that's part of why you're here. So we want to keep those gears churning. Rainbow Rolls, Pumpkin Heads, it's a new book. It came out last month, I believe. It's a graphic novel, actually, and it's so pretty. It's very short and very fast to read. It takes less than an hour. And it's this love story, sort of love story, happening in a pumpkin patch. And it has queer characters. It has characters of color. It's just beautiful. 
Morgan Parker's Magical Negro, yes. which is a book that I don't, I haven't been able to put down. I always go back to it. Talks about blackness the, as a whole, as a collective, the black experience, but also the very personal. And yes, there are in fact a lot of magical Negroes in this book. One of them being Nikki Giovanni. Yes, yes, yes it's great. I love you, Nikki. I technically cheated because this actually comes out in 2020, Ooh. but it is Marcelo Hernandez Castillo's Children of the Land. Yes, Marcelo. I, Marcelo is amazing. Mm. If you haven't read Sesontle yet, you should do that. It is amazing. He's a Canto Mundo fellow. He's mm. a very lyric poet for very specific reasons that he, he actually talks about very openly mm. in, in interviews. Uh, but this book is coming out next year, 2020. So be on the lookout for that. So for the generative thought to leave you with today, we've got something very physical in mm. a way. I know, right? Mm. Okay. So for today, choose any object. Unravel it. What lives in its layers? Write these layers. So the thought behind that is to get you thinking about extended metaphors and how we can see images all the way through metaphors and also to investigate what they turn into. Mm. So that's it. Mm -hmm. Deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking about onions. I know. <laughs> right. <have> layers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you one more time to Bessie and Anora for accompanying me today in what was fun, but also we kind of like reliving drama, right? Yeah. Of these horror stories. So thank you for your time and for your stories. And we love you and appreciate you. The MF Angle was produced as a part of Dr. Taisha Thompson's Intro to Digital Humanities class. We would like to thank Mirna Palacio Ornales, our host, Blessing Christopher, Bessie Flores Alvidar, Shana Jones, Honora Ankong, our contributors, Joe Forte, our audio engineer, the University Libraries at Virginia Tech for giving us space, Dash Alauhe for editing all of this and for creating our fantastic theme music, and we would like to thank the listeners for being listeners. <laughs>